every so often the, the greater American society advances way beyond law enforcement and we struggle to catch up. And when we catch up, there's sort of like this peace and tranquility. Um, but until that happens, we have to work doggedly hard and optimistically uh, to meet these gaps. And, and one of the most consistent, blaring, ugly gaps in law enforcement is the way that we interact with the black community. You're listening to the Black and Blue Podcast, a discussion and celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in U.S. law enforcement. Your host on the Black and Blue Podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years experience in the business. Hop on board this Black and Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black and Blue Podcast is coming at you right now. What is going on, my people? Welcome to the Black and Blue Podcast, where we celebrate diversity in U.S. law enforcement. My name is Dale. I am your master at ceremonies. Thank you for joining me, and thank you for the support. Before we get started, I want to ask you all to please smash those like and subscribe buttons wherever you're checking out this show right now. And click that bell icon, too, so you can be notified when new content drops right then and there. Today's guest is the chief of police of a little known police department in the Big Apple, but he's here today to make sure we all know about this little gem. Everyone, please give a big black and blue welcome to New York Department of Citywide Administrative Services Police Department Chief Huey Collins. How you doing, sir? Doing well, doing well. Thank you so much for having me. So it's a pleasure. I've been waiting to be a part of this for a while. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad you, you came on because this, this is a pleasure. This is a, a true honor. So I thank you. All right. So I see you repping uh, Norfolk State right there, the, the, the green and gold there, green and yellow. <laughs> is, is that your alma yeah. mater? Yes, sir. Uh, uh, behold the green and gold. This is my. This is uh, where I, I kind of earned my stripes. So you know, I okay. had to make sure I came on with a little bit of swag, a little bit of merch, representing uh, the good old NSU. All right, all right. When when did you go there? Oh, I went there in nineteen ninety eight. Uh, so that was fresh out of college. Excuse me, fresh out of high school. Uh, uh -huh. Spent four, four, four and a half, if we're technically counting. Uh, one, <laughs> Yeah. One of the most beautiful times in my entire life. Um, something about the HBCU lifestyle, the culture there, uh, the support structure that's in place. Um, I just, it, I just, all I think is good memories when I think about Norfolk State. All right, yeah, that, that's that's a good experience, I'm sure. And uh, that's in Virginia, right? Absolutely, Norfolk, Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Are you from that area? Or? Uh, t well, yes and no. Uh, my father was military, so we moved around quite a bit. I spent my last couple of years in high school uh, in Virginia Beach um, at Kimsville High. And um, and then that was local to um, where I grew up. Um, well, actually, where I finished high school at. And then my father was deployed my, my senior year. So I didn't see him, you know, the majority of my senior year and going into my freshman year of college. 
And so I thought it would be smart to just stay local near my family, my mother, my younger brother. And I went to Norfolk State University. It was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Yeah, absolutely. All right. What, what was your major when you were there? In your four I was and a half an interdisciplinary years. studies major. Yeah, yeah. I was an INT major. What is um, what is that? It's it, not a now. It's it's I guess it's fashionable, but it's essentially is when you uh, combine um, different majors for a sort of a structured approach to work. And you know, for me, I, I wasn't you know too certain about what I was getting into when I chose that major. But actually, it's been immensely helpful in my career and, and sort of my style of of what I do which is, you know, combining a little bit of technology, combining a little bit of sociology with the criminal justice system. And and I was fortunate enough to sort of uh, um, fall into that major because it was purely just by me talking to my my academic counselors and they were, they were pushing me in a direction of what uh, they felt, you know, may pique my interest. And man, when I say they were spot on, I sort of, I, that's all I do today is just blend different disciplines and, and try to figure things out, you know. And, right. you know, and half the job is problem solving, as you are fully aware. Yes, yes. So your job today is the chief of police of uh, that long name that I read off there at the, at the at the beginning there. Tell everybody uh, exactly what that department is and what do you guys do over there? Absolutely. So for for the sake of it not being lengthy, uh, it's called DCAS Police, which is the initials. Uh, it's New York City Department of Citywide Administrative Services Police. And we serve the same purpose as sort of what FPS does, which is the Federal Protective Service and Capitol Police does, except we do that for the city of New York. So all of the city's least owned and managed buildings, you know, we provide security force protection and a law enforcement presence on site in and around those buildings uh, throughout the five boroughs. And the city owns a number of courthouses. They own uh, a number of uh, civic buildings and, and, and uh, municipal buildings. And, and, and so our job is to make sure that uh, when people come in there to handle city business, when we have appointed officials or, or visitors or just, you know, anyone coming off the street, we make sure they're safe and sound. And we're doing our job by, by uh, keeping the peace and, and, uh, and uh, making sure things are safe. Right. And you said throughout the, the, the boroughs there in New York. So you guys are spread pretty, pretty far and, and few between. How, how large is your department sworn? Well, that's interesting because when I first came on, it was it was a very small department. Um, right now, we're just over or approximately around 120 uh, sworn, and and so when I first came on, it was probably less than half of that. And so we've oh, been wow. working, um, you know, uh, very diligently. To, uh, I couldn't be more proud of my team, uh, just trying to get more staff on, get them well trained, and and have them have an understanding of what their what their mission is. And so we've grown in the department, but we're always looking to add more to that puzzle um, because much like you saw on January 6th, you know, it only takes, you know, one bad day uh, to really show how critical some of these government buildings are um, to, to sort of the fabric of our, our democratic process. So, you know, um, we're definitely always looking to add on um, as soon as we get past any budget concerns that uh, the pandemic has kind of uh, waved our way. Um, you know, it's just been a, it's just been a, a, a consistent mission just to add more personnel, quality, uh, um, smart, competent folks to the team. Right. Right. 
and you said uh, when you first got there it was like less than half of what you guys have now. What what was the the cause of that? Just a lot of uh, attrition, you know, retirements. People weren't applying for the job. They didn't have, see a need for for more swarm. What what was the cause of that? You think? Well, I think it was a combination of a couple of things. Um, it, you know, they the department itself is relatively new. It's a baby in in terms of um, police departments. Uh, it was formed shortly after 9-11 for obvious reasons. There was a there's a void or a gap there um, that, you know, the city felt it needed to fill. And so I was their second chief in place. And so one of the things that I, I saw was they were there that we we used we were using and still sort of use supplemental um, uh, contracts, security contracts to kind of fill voids. But it wasn't providing that same um, workplace violence protection that law enforcement presence, that competent um, um, uh, uh, community uh, customer service centered law enforcement that we provide today. It just was, we were dropping the ball on that a little bit. So we we got together, we put our brains together and we've just been recruiting and and pushing and, 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 um, and developing the program ever since. Nice, nice. And then uh, how, how long you been chief there? You said you were the second chief in place. Yeah, I so I came on in 2016, and so I'll be closing out uh, my fifth year. Um, uh, happy, uh, didn't didn't see the the journey. You never really see the journey, right? So you know, right. five years, wonder five wonderful years here. Uh, you know, a lot of headaches, but also a lot of great great moments um, and accomplishments that you know my team and I were able to to kind of pull together. So. You know, yeah. extremely proud of the last five years. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit past my, you know, I'm a little bit past the marker because uh, police chiefs, you know, we're 3.5 years averaging. That's usually our stint unless, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm just feeling fortunate right now and, 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 and very reflective. I guess when you get to a certain point, you really just start to look back and, and look at all the, you know, things you're able to do and, and the people you've kind of uh, seen grow. And that's been a major part of my time here. Right, right, yeah. The three point five—that's kind of like the 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 playing span that of a of a NFL running back, you know. But they say about Absolutely. three to five years is is their their lifespan. If you go past that, and that's just all gravy, you pass that. So, yeah, that's how Chiefs are, and they, and they kind of move around. You you didn't come up through uh through DCAS? Is is that your first agency? Where where'd you come from? Well, my first agency. I don't know if you if you look over one of these shoulders here. Um, I started actually in Virginia, Northern Virginia, at uh, um, uh, Arlington County Sheriff's Office, and that was probably back in 2005-ish. I'm sort of dating myself, and um, you know I had amazing opportunities to to sort of do to have my hands in a lot of pots uh, there, and you know I got you know different opportunities of leadership. Uh, I was on their Sheriff Emergency Response Team, which is our version of a SWAT team. Um, I was um, a full-time academy instructor at Northern Virginia Criminal Justice Training Academy, which is just a amazing time. One of the best positions I've ever had in my career. I was the lead uh, defensive tactics uh, uh, instructor for my agency of 250 sworn. Uh, so I was responsible for, you know, conducting safe and uh, efficient um, training every year for the staff. Um, Got a couple of promotions tossed here and there, a couple special projects, and you know, just just uh, you know, just was really blessed with the wealth of experience 
um, uh, of, of, of doing things and, and sort of figuring it out, you, you know, and, and police, I, I like to say this to anyone considering, you know, joining up, uh, law enforcement is one of those fields where it is just so diverse and the opportunity to do so many things. It's like a bunch of disciplines rolled into one. And um, anyone thinking about that and wanting, you know, excitement in their career path and, and an opportunity to do anything from, you know, street patrol to, you know, uh, cybersecurity, you know, the really you, you run the gamut in law enforcement with the things that you can really uh, uh, take on and learn and, and grow yourself through. And so that's been just uh, one of my just campaign speeches for anyone considering law enforcement. You know, you ne it's never a dull moment. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things that attracted me to law enforcement is, uh, you know, I tried the jobs where you're sitting in the office for a little while and 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 that just started killing me. I, I couldn't just be sitting in, in my cubicle all day. Yeah. I had to be out and about. You know, I even lo left law enforcement for a little bit to try that. And I was like, nah, nah, I, I got to get back into it. I could not be sitting in that cubicle. So uh, Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, sort yeah, of death totally. by keystroke there. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So, yeah. yeah, I like, you know, law enforcement, you got different, you deal with different situations and different people, you know. I mean, you, you're always going to have your frequent flyers that you deal with. But, you know, for the most part, it's different things every day and uh, different, uh, you know, it's not all all fun and gravy. But, you know, sometimes you, you got to deal with the with the heat and you got to deal with the cold. And over there you deal with the snow and uh, yeah, I guess you guys oh, are yeah. used to it, but. <laughs> I'm out here in Cali. I'm not used to the snow, so <laughs> it's, yeah, 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 it's, it's raining. Yeah, it's raining out here today. We don't even know how to drive in the rain out here, so <laughs> people just <laughs> oh, a little that's bit great. of that's great. Yeah, a little bit of sweat well, on the road. Remember, people just yeah. South. Yeah, I'm from well, yeah, down yeah. south, so this snow okay, thing yeah, yeah. was an, a little bit of an adjustment for me. But um, right. you know, uh, luckily, I, you know, I brought some winter coats up, so I was good to go. Yeah, but, yeah, know, absolutely. How's, how's that adjustment yeah. now? You know, uh, I like to call myself a, a Brooklynite now. I think, you know, uh, I'm a New York City person now. I would have never assumed, you know, I would go any further than Virginia. Um, uh, you know, my family's originally from the South, originally from Atlanta, Georgia, um, and, you know, where I was born before we sort of shipped off as a military dependent. Um, and then, but I, when I came to the city, you know, it's almost, it's almost magical how you realize is a difference between visiting New York and living in New York. It has its own yeah. life. It truly is a beautiful city. You know, there's, you know, um, you know, there's a lot that you can get into. There's a lot uh, of different variety of things you can introduce yourself to. And, um, you know, I've really appreciated my time in the city. Um, yeah. Is it long term? Who knows? But, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I will say it dispelled a lot of uh, 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 ideas I had about New York before arriving just by living here and, and being a New Yorker. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Me and the fam went there a few years ago. I love, I love New York. It, I had a great time, saw a lot of things and I felt, you know, we were there like a week and, and I'm sure there's a lot more that we could have seen. I want to go back during Christmas, you know, doing the ball drop oh. whenever this COVID is, is done with. So I, I would love to experience that. So, yeah, you talk about time. something to see around that Christmas time, especially if the snow is not, you know, unbearable. It's just right. Right. You know, yeah. you got Rockefeller Center. You got you got the ball dropping over New Year's. I mean, mm -hmm. there's just so much here. You know, I, one of the best descriptions that I came up with when I first got here to to my down south folks was it's like each borough, it's its own little universe. And so, you know, you could live your whole life in Brooklyn and you'll have a universe to explore. 
you know, or you can venture out and it's just like so much going on, so much beauty. You know, the, one thing, um, one really quick thing about New York that most people don't know is New York has some of the beautiful outdoor parks you'll ever run into. And uh, it's just, I live maybe 10 minutes from uh, Prospect Park and it's just beautiful. Um, it's, you don't know it from the outside, but once you go walking in it, it's, it's so scenic and surreal. Um, so I appreciate you. Appreciate you learn to appreciate the, the little pockets of beauty that New York has to offer. No doubt. When we were there, we went to a Central Park and we did the whole bike. We rented some bikes, and uh, that that park is massive. I mean, it just yes. went on for days and days. And yeah, I had a great time. Can't wait to get back there. Can't wait get to uh, to get back there. So uh, you make sure I, I you let there, me know when you come back. Yeah, uh, no doubt. No doubt. I mentioned that, uh, you know, when things get back to normal, because, you know, COVID right now, you know, we kind of everyone's getting vaccinated and all that. And hopefully we can get back to normal. How did COVID affect uh, you out there in New York, you and your family and your department in particular? Well, I mean, you know, for the first few months, if you recall, New York was the epicenter and um, yeah. and it was, you know, almost indescribable what the experience was. You know, you're talking about a bustling city alive with so much vigor, and it really just turned into like one of those, you know, wild, wild west movies where the bushel of hay kind of uh, whispers <laughs> down the road, yeah, and nobody's yeah. out, and the streets were completely empty. And you know, up until you know, up until um, you know last year, I had never seen New York in that in that site. It reminded me of, of a movie. I think um, I Am Legend with Will Smith, no, where it just, right, right, nobody was out. Yeah. But aside from that, you know, the 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 pandemic really ravished the city for for a solid two months or so. And uh, fortunately, you know, um, we uh, <clears throat> a lot of the officers were able to manage. We had one we lost one um, civilian staff member because of uh, due to COVID um, and then a couple from the overall agency's executive team as well. Um, so it's, we've been managing like everyone else, but it's it was really tough at first, and and but we banded together. Our guys, my guys, so proud of my guys. They didn't miss a beat. And I don't know how it was for you guys out there, but you know they throw everything at law enforcement. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this. And so to yeah. see the troops respond the way they did, you know, you know that's just a testament to the type of people who take on this job. You know the type of culture that exists within this job. You know we always mm -hmm. see the negative. But there's a lot of beauty in, in leadership and, and and taking on this responsibility of, of, of putting on that shield every day. So, you know, I was really yeah. proud of the way we responded uh, under the circumstances. Right. Yeah, it, it was tough on a lot of a lot of departments, a lot of people, a lot of families. How, how about your family? Uh, how did COVID affect your family? You know, we've been blessed. Listen, the father has taken care of us. We have been mm -hmm. extra careful. You know, um, you know, we had a routine in, in my household where um, we, you know, when we hit the door, because I was, you know, I was at work. I didn't miss a day for the first six months of the uh, pandemic. Um, and so when we hit the door, it was sort of like that whole strip down, wash your hands. You know, we, we every single recommendation that the CDC had, we were following it. You know, we couldn't get enough um, hand, hand sanitizer. You know, um, so fortunately, my, my family's been good and my family down in Virginia, my mother, my father, my brother, they've been taking care of themselves to that same exact level. And so I'm fortunate to have people in my life that really take this seriously and that care about each other, you know, to want to do the right thing on a consistent level. Because, you know, some folks just 
they don't see it the same way uh, yeah. the rest of the world sees it or, or maybe, you know, that we feel they should see it. You know, that's a, that's OK. But um, there was just a, an amazing amount of responsibility for my family, my brother, especially because he was close to my parents, really doing it, doing his thing, taking care of himself so he didn't cross expose them. And, and uh, we did the same up here. So we've been fortunate. Yeah. My family in Georgia, too. We've all been very blessed, and we're happy about that. Yeah, you, you keep saying, you know, the South. And I keep forgetting that uh, Virginia technically is the South, but, you know, I don't think of it that way when it's, you know, right by D.C. and all that. I guess depending on where in Virginia, um, you know, you're located. But uh, I keep forgetting it is technically the South. You know, some Virginians might not think it's the same. <laughs> might right. not say That's, it's yeah. the South. Yeah. If you ask them, you know, um, but I've, I've had the privilege of living in southeastern Virginia, which was right down there near North Carolina. And we know North Carolina is definitely the south. Right. And uh, my roots, are, like I said, my roots are in Atlanta. You know, I'm a down south Georgia boy at heart. You know, I still rock a Braves hat on my head when I walk around. It's not a Yankees hat. Sorry, New Yorkers. Wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I might have to edit uh, that part out. <laughs> nah, nah, they got they got to face the get you truth, get you, you know, impeached. So. Gonna get you impeached out there in New York. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Hopefully they're used to it by now. But yeah, um, yeah, um, you know it's it's Virginia is one of those states where it's uh it's a, it's a, it's right in the middle. And Maryland too. Technically Maryland is down south, but yeah. if you ask a Marylander or a Virginia if they're from down south, they may not say the same. No, nah, they may not. They may <laughs> definitely. <laughs> right, and then. Right. Uh, yeah, another thing that affected us all, you know, this past summer was uh, everything that affected uh, BLM with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and all those other incidents that, you know, kind of snowballed into an avalanche and broke the, you know, the camel's back with George Floyd. And then uh, we had a bunch of protests. Uh, you, you guys protect, you know, those buildings out in New York. How did the protests and all that affect you guys with your operations? You know, Dale, that's that's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. We were really in the thick of things when it comes to the protests. You know, obviously, you know, NYPD, they did a tremendous job of, you know, uh, trying to safeguard the streets. Um, you know, that's it's almost an impossible task. But when you talk about being right in the thick of things, you know, most of our buildings are right where you, you the rest of the nation probably viewed those protests happening. You know, we're right over there off the Brooklyn Bridge and and a lot of our buildings and our officers had to, uh, in the buildings had to do, you know, take, take, you know, some, some extreme measures to make sure that, you know, the, the, the people were safe inside as well as the, um, as well as the, um, uh, the buildings itself were safe. Um, but we, you know, there's a lot of property damage, a lot of, dist uh, a lot of graffiti, you, you name it, all that stuff happened, uh, right, right where we, you know, uh, suit up every day. And so, again, it's just a tr the tremendous efforts of my staff. I can't say enough about my staff showing up under COVID and, you know, the protests, which, you know, in my opinion, you know, these protests, you know, that that's definitely, you know, um, uh, uh, the, the right idea to bring attention to, you know, so, you know, uh, the issues that have been going on and uh, with uh, the black community and law enforcement. Uh, but, you know, definitely when things got a little dicey, you know, our guys, you know, and then gal showed their, their, their true colors and, and stood behind that badge and stood tall. So we're happy about that. 
Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And you being the chief of police and being an African American, and and what the show is, you know, black and blue, we got that duality where we had to, you know, do our jobs and we understand law enforcement. Ninety nine percent of us out there doing the right thing, but then we get that one percent that isn't out there doing the right thing. So some in some of these incidents I talk about. We're in the wrong. What's your feeling about, uh, you know, these these so-called bad apples that are out there kind of make, painting a broad brush of us in law enforcement? You know, if I'm being honest and, and, and I always try my very best to be just honest about what I feel, um, you know, the the, the issue um, in law enforcement is the same everywhere else in, in the nation. There is systemic racism. I personally believe that to be the to be the case. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every, you know, every few years, um, you know, we're trying to push the profession to, to advance beyond, you know, the bad apples. If, if you, you know, subscribe to that thought, uh, thought process. Um, but there's a lot of work for us to, to, a lot of work for us to do in order to, um, to really drive home and sort of meet the people we serve where their exact need is. And, um, and, and so there's a lot of work to be done on the law enforcement side, bad apples, you know, they do exist in every profession. I don't necessarily think that's a bad apple. I think it's just more so, you know, folks slip through the cracks or, you know, there are folks who, you know, uh, uh, are influenced by subcultures that exist and you're in a department. So you understand there are subcultures that exist within the department you know, that someone in my position, you know, I have little influence over that, uh, uh, over that, over these cultures. You know, one of the things that, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I hear a lot is about policy. Uh, policy is great, but culture eats policy for breakfast. Oh, yeah. So I can, I can construct and design perfect policies and, and strategic plans to get us to that point where we are, you know, we're not part of that uh, 1% or those, those, uh, few that choose to do the wrong thing behind the badge under the color of law and but still the culture of the organism the culture of the agency is what's going to prevail in the end and um when you look back you know this you really got me excited about this because when you look back at several commissions even the the president's task force on 21st century policing you know um there's a lot of work we can do and i was talking to a um um, uh, I was at a training course and one of the instructors there said, you know, uh, every so often the, the greater American society advances way beyond law enforcement and we struggle to catch up. And when we catch up, there's sort of like this peace and tranquility. Um, but until that happens, we have to work doggedly hard and optimistically uh, to meet these gaps. And, and one of the most consistent, blaring, ugly gaps in law enforcement is the way that we interact with the black community. And, you know, and don't get me wrong, there are bad actors in these communities that we must and have to address. We have to do that's That's our job. We have to keep yep. the people safe. You know, we got to We got to chase bad guys and we have to take police action. But just the way we engage with the community definitely could use a lot of improvement. And these protests last summer was just the boiling pot of that desire to have a better police uh, uh, force protecting them from the community. And if you're on the job, like I'm on the job, you look to your left and your right and you look at your organization. And if you're not saying you want you, you, if you're not saying it has the potential to get better, then 
I don't know if, if you're growing in what you're doing. You know, even the best departments can get better at something, can get better mm -hmm. at community engagement, can, can, can bring in innovative ideas. And so we just need to keep pushing that. Uh, we need to understand who we serve, um, including the black community, which has had, you know, um, has suffered. You see the, a lot of these police chiefs are apologizing and police commissioners are apologizing, not for their direct actions all the time, but but just for the historic um, um, influence their particular departments have had on their respective communities. Mm -hmm. And so that's a start. But beyond apologies, we need to take some 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 measured actions to accomplish this engagement. Uh, maybe we you know, we can use a lot more female leadership, a lot more African-American female leadership among the ranks, diversity among the ranks. You know, we, we definitely need that um, to, to sort of make it better um, for our communities. Yeah. Yeah. So your department now is more of a, a specialty department uh, where there won't be, you know, calls for service per se, as far as, you know, well, well, let me take that back. You may have domestics because, you know, things do happen in the workplace. Uh, you know, you got a lot of workplace violence kind of kind of hone in on, on what sort of activities your your officers would deal with on a, on a daily yeah, so it's interesting you say that, Dale. So we've had we've had domestics, we've had assaults, we've had all that stuff on on site, and our service calls look definitely look a little bit different. We're not being dispatched via, you know, an RMP or, or, or police cruiser to to a location per se. Um, but uh, you know, when our service calls come through, it's typically for you know uh, some sort of either EDP uh, on site. Um, we've had you we, you can pretty much run run the gamut. We've had DOAs in the building. You know, um, it's 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 a, anything you can imagine just on a lower scale because it's a yeah. workplace. Um, and so, you know, we don't have as many issues as, you know, the the greater uh, New York City community does. Uh, but we've had quite a few incidents in my tenure here uh, that <clears throat> required a law enforcement response and that were actually, you know, service calls dispatched out to officers. Just, um, you know, just not on the wide scale that you see across the city. Yeah. So, you know, a big issue. Right, right. And a big issue, obviously, is workplace violence. You, you know, you got the, uh, you know, the domestic side and then you got the uh, the terrorist side with people coming in. Do you, you guys do lots of training with your with your people in your building, your, your, your workers and letting them, you know, know about workplace violence and what they can do. And, and or if there's a uh, uh, an active shooter, what sort of things they, they need to do to run, hide, fight or any of that type of stuff. Oh, great question. Absolutely. So one of the one of the initiatives I had when I first was appointed as chief was um, I looked and I noticed that we didn't have a um, we didn't have a civilian uh, response to active shooter process. So we got a lot of people in our buildings in one building alone is something like 5000 people in there on any given day. Not that doesn't even include the visitors, <laughs> you know, that just right. that's just the workers. And that's just one building in one borough. So one of my initiatives was to start uh, for DCAS police, an active shooter, excuse me, civilian response program where, you know, I went out personally and I taught, I want to say in the upwards of 5,000 plus city workers, you know, just, uh, you know, how to respond and the recommendations. New York is a little bit different. Um, they, they do the ABCs, avoid barricade and confront, but it's still the same, the, the, the same information. And so I did that for a number of years and, and, uh, and occasionally, you know, due to COVID, obviously we're not doing in person now, but, you know, uh, occasionally I'll still have to come in and I'll, 
I'll, I'll speak to a group or a tenant uh, a group or, or new hires on the job and sort of give them that. And then internally, <clears throat> we made our actor shooter program more robust. They didn't have that when I came here. And so that was one of the things we instituted. We got the uh, agency to purchase our, you know, our blue guns and and um, and uh, every academy class that comes through. You know, um, our tactical training unit trains them specifically on how to respond to units, uh, excuse me, to actor shooters um, uh, in the building or any sort of uh, mass casualty event. And um, and we're just continuing to build that. We have sort of uh, TAC Med. So everything that you can imagine, um, because that's our focus. You know, our focus, we're not we're not stopping bank robbers. We're you know, what goes on in that building is our focus. So having a sort of a 360 program where we're looking at you know what the executive response should be which was something that uh we were able to put together for them what a recovery program would look like uh for our for our buildings uh what civilian response should look like and then what the decas police response should look like for an active shooter um and and so that program is has taken a life of its own it continues to grow it, t- it continues to get better and so i'm proud of that we were able to do that here no doubt no doubt and i'm sure these these buildings have different you know a lot of different functions when, when uh, you know, COVID, before COVID and, and hopefully after, were there a bunch of uh, buildings with children in them? Well, um, there, there are some buildings that host. So New York City does, sometimes they host schools or classes or grades in, in some mm-hmm. of our buildings. So there definitely are some buildings with that. And that's been a concern that we've had to sort of yeah. address with what our posture was going to be with that. And, and uh, a lot of questions trying to figure out, you know, um, um, what what the right moves and the right steps and what would be you know uh, 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 digestible for the parents and, and the and the and the teachers and whatnot. Uh, but it's very few buildings that 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 we do that actually have kids. But we do have a handful of them that uh, that do sort of sort of like a in yeah. in government building school pro- system setup or classroom right. setup, or maybe even uh, workplace daycare. In any of those, I'm sure there's a couple of those going yeah, on. Yeah, I'm not sure if we have those those in our buildings. I wouldn't be surprised. I just know yeah. that, um, you know, there are specific buildings we have that definitely have children in them. And that's always been like num- that that bright blinking alarm of oh, yeah. how we're going to handle that. Yep. And, you know, um, number of discussions with, with their security versus, you know, what DCAS police is going to do. And so, um, you know... Um, it's i wouldn't say we're just like anywhere else but we we definitely have similar issues and problems yeah no doubt and then staying on the uh on the uh, topic of kids when you were a kid was it was something does this always something you wanted to do with law enforcement uh, what what was your journey into the profession there man when i was a kid i i was uh i was a huge uh beverly hills cops fan like that axel foley was my guy Okay. And and so Eddie Murphy did. Yeah. <laughs> he made yeah, he made policing look cool to me. So I thought that was when I when I watched those movies, that was the first I ever really considered like maybe I could, you know, maybe this this looks, you know, looks like me. I'm seeing some representation there. And 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 so uh, as I grew older and and oh, also I was a huge huge fan of um uh Sherlock Holmes books. I used to be the kid with the sheet over his head and the flashlight in bed with the book reading um, wow. Sherlock Holmes uh, books. That was actually me. So when you see that stuff on TV and think <laughs> that's not real, now I'm here to tell you 
That stuff that is was real. You. I used to read detective, read a lot of detective books, and and so it's kind of been with me, you know, uh, for for a lot of those years. And and um, <clears throat> and then as I grew older, you know, it ne- the the field of exactly what I wanted to do started to narrow down a little bit more. But I I, I don't know if it was the only thing I wanted to do. There's a lot of other, you know, when you're a kid, you want to, you know, you want to do so much and you want to, you know, right. uh, but definitely, definitely this has always been an interest of mine. Uh, teaching has always been an interest of mine as well. So a lot of my years are spent being a police instructor, uh, first in Virginia, Commonwealth of Virginia, and now in New York state. Um, so like I said, law enforcement, it, it runs the gamut on what you can do. So, you know, I've just been fortunate to, to realize a lot of my dreams that I had as a child um, through yeah. this profession uh, that, you know, that we share. So, you know, you know that yeah. better than anyone. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah no doubt. It's a yeah, lot so, to do. Yeah. Yep. So, so you were the kid out there solving little mysteries in, in, in the neighborhood, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the, I, was the kid, I was the kid who thought he could solve just about any issue. And, and look, I, you know. <laughs> My mother is probably somewhere hearing me talk about feeling me that I'm talking about that because any problem, yeah. I was the one that could figure it out, you know. There and, you go. And I really, I really believed in my powers of deduction. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, you know, yeah. this was this was definitely in the in the in the works uh, by grand design. If the father had anything to do with it and and yeah. knew where my heart and mind was as a child, this is def- this is definitely in the works. Right. So, so when it came to fruition, I, I know you said your, your, your pops was, uh, in the military. So that's kind of, you know, the same path there. Uh, the, the family didn't have any trepidation about you going into law enforcement What you know, the family, friends, what, what was that conversation like? Well, yeah. So, um, my, my story was, is probably similar to a lot of black officers, you know, um, 50% of my family and friends, you know, they give you that sideways look like, what are you right. doing? You know, and, you know, you know, they look at you like, you. I mean, almost from day one, they look at you like you're a narc or you're the enemy from day, right. from day one. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was an unusual feeling. I wasn't used to that. You know, uh, I wasn't used to people that I've known all my life uh, looking at me in a different way. And I would say it was a challenge um, for a lot of years uh, because I actually lost some friends. I lost a lot of friends and even some family members to this day will still, you know, um, they won't be, feel like they're able to be their authentic self. You know, their behavior will change when they come around me. Um, but what in that time frame, uh, when I got older and, and those kids that I grew up with in high school and college, they went on to have families and they matured in life and recognized that, you know, you know, my job and who I am, you know, you know, um, are, are, you know, they're, they don't, they're, they're, they're two different things. They're the same, but they're two different things. Like I, you know, I'm Q he on the job and I'm Q he when you see me, they call me Q. Um, so, you know, I was able to sort of reestablish a lot of those friendships and the, 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 the really important ones came back around. And that was what was, is really good for me to see. It was very hard at first, but the longer uh, I, I was on the job and the more people got accustomed to who I was, and they realized that I didn't really change, but I, you know, as serious as I was about football and going to shoot hoop, I'm as serious about, you know, law enforcement. Right. And so a lot of respect, um, uh, came just, it just came over time. Yeah. Yeah. And then you being in the profession, whenever something went down, were you the one that, that always had a, uh, 
you know, to give the opinion, you know, everyone would call, what did Q he think about uh, this? You know, tell me about this. Uh, does that still go down? You know, like with, uh, with everything that happened with the uh, BLM, did it, you know, the family and friends want to get your opinion about it? You know, um, yes. To answer that question, man, listen, uh, family reunions, uh, cookouts, oh, yeah. oh, parties, yeah. oh, dinners, yeah. holidays, you know, and if I'm being honest, some of the time I really enjoy being that sort of authority to say, wait a minute, you have to understand from the other side. Yeah. But then, you know, um, especially since, you know, um, I've had an opportunity to become a, a chief, I've just been very less interested in explaining um, a different side of life versus just having a general understanding that we're all human beings and trying to figure this thing out. Like, it's like, you know, you take a black person in any setting <clears throat> and sometimes they're called upon to answer for all black people like we exist on right. this monolithic scale, right? <laughs> and it's the same thing for us, right? We're, you know, we're black officers, we're in a situation and, um, you know, uh, something happens halfway across the country and, you know, your girlfriend's looking at you, you know, uh, crazy because, you know, she's like, well, is this what you guys do? Is this how you get yeah, down? Or, yeah. you know, or, you know, your aunt's aunt has a lot of questions. <laughs> and, yeah. and so when yeah. I, when I, what I, I think the, the, the happy medium for me is to first and foremost, if I don't know you, there's absolutely no reason for me to come to your defense. So I'm not one of those persons in law enforcement that when I see something that a cop does halfway across the country, I'm giving policy and use of force uh, training and to justify whatever they did. I don't know the situation. I don't know that person. Same as it would be for any person from my neighborhood that did something. I'm not going to jump out there. So I'm, I'm very slow to sort of formulate an opinion. And then the second thing ultimately is, you know, um, I just try to be my authentic self. So folks, they don't want to ask these questions of me because they understand who I am. And, and they, you know, they understand that the way I do the job is an example, you know, and what they're and what they're whatever they're seeing is contrary to that. Right. So it's not that I, you know, I refuse to answer these questions, but you know how it is, brother, you get you, you got to you're called upon to, you know, in certain groups, you're called upon to answer for all black people in the history of the country. And yep. then in other times, you're called upon to answer for all the actions of law enforcement. And we don't know these folks. <laughs> we right, don't right. we don't know these folks. <laughs> right. Right. And, yeah. and if we're being honest with ourselves, we don't know the situation as well until all of the details and facts come out. Um, you know, I understand the pain and that's what I think we fall short. There's a lot of pain associated with what goes on in our communities, what happens to our communities. And if we're not human enough to acknowledge that, then the game is already lost. It, yep. it just really is. You know, uh, a, a, an officer could be doing his very best to do the job the right way. And that could result in someone losing their life. <clears throat> Yeah, and you have yeah. some officers, you have some officers that will adopt the attitude of, you know, hey, screw that guy. He was, you know, he had to do what he had to do. But we don't think like even though you had to do your job, let's acknowledge a life was lost. Yeah. Someone's some something someone's going to move on without a, a person, a loved one 
with them in this world. That that stuff is real. And and the and I think we dehumanize so much of what goes on in our society, not just in law enforcement. We dehumanize each other. We dehumanize, you know, the profession. Cops aren't real people, you know. That's why I'm so happy you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Because, Thank you know, you. people don't understand we are real family oriented, mm-hmm. uh, uh, religious, church going, um, hardworking, good hearted, funny, talented people behind this shield. Yes. Yes. And when I, and I hope, yeah, and I hope when officers go into these communities, they realize that these kids that they may not be able to readily identify with, they're hardworking, funny, talented educated people as well and and when we get back to that i think things are gonna when we not when we get back to it when we realize how important it is right that's what it is yeah you know when we realize how important our humanity is um i think things will shift a little bit they may not change on a wide scale but they'll shift a little bit and each shift is important yeah yeah yeah, that that I'm glad you mentioned that because that is why I wanted to do this show to show you know humanizing us and showing that uh, you know that we are those people that that you that you that you just named you know we are the hard workers you know we go to church you know some of us go to church some of us go to the club some of us you know tend to we our gardens yeah some some of us tend to our gardens some of us you know tend to our cars you know we do all this you know some of us are DJs some of us pl- play football some you know we do all these sorts of things we're not a monolithic uh, uh, culture, just like, uh, you know, being black isn't a monolithic culture. Sometimes, it, you know, uh, maybe not so much now you being the chief, but, you know, coming up in, in law enforcement through the years, did you ever find yourself uh, on the flip side of that, where you had to kind of explain the black experience to your, to your non-black coworkers, to your Caucasian coworkers? Man, you know, uh, whew, that's a, Ooh, you just that was a that's a heavy one. So to, the short answer to that is yes. So but it's much like my, my other answer. Um, people who genuinely want to know. I will I will sit down and listen, there's not a court. My, I have a legitimate open door policy. My lieutenants, my assistant chiefs, they all hate it. But I have a legitimate open door policy. Right. Um, okay. As long as it's scheduled long as it's scheduled, right? I can't, you know, I can't stop every five minutes. Right. But I will stop and talk to just about anybody and you'll have my ear. And you may, you may not get what you're expecting or what you want to hear, but I will listen to you and I will tell you the honest truth as I know it. Right. And so I've had these conversations with white counterparts throughout the the course of my career. But, but sometimes, you know, uh, what I had to draw the line is it has to be someone who genuinely wants to know. They genuinely want to know, because if you just want to argue or you want to debate, I'm not here to debate that. That's not to me. That's not even something up to debate. We're we're talking about understanding another human being. Yeah, I get it. Our skin is black. You know, is this chocolate brown skin that we love? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And not everyone loves it back. Mm -hmm. I get that. Right. Mm -hmm. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) um, but I'm not going to debate you so that you can understand me. That's never going to happen. And when I learned that some people just want to have conversations to debate, that's when I sort of turn the volume down on those folks. Yeah, um, but yeah. if you, I've, I've sat there and I've, I've really uh, ran into a, a, a bunch of people who had 
just this earnest uh, desire to know, to get better. They were raised a different way and they just truly didn't understand. And their very and, and their interaction with me sort of opened their eyes and the way I handle my business, uh, uh, you know, which wasn't always perfect, man. I came out of a the academy robocop you know that's how they that's how i was i was you now i'm not saying anything bad about my academy but i came out of my academy really tough edged okay. and it took me it, it took it took me uh some time to regain you know who q was and and, right. and 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 when i and when i did you know i felt a lot better going home every day uh, and then i also felt a lot better about what i did in front of people who were on the job who don't look like me um because mm -hmm. they're seeing an example of yeah, he's one of the toughest deputies that you're going to ever run into. Uh, but also, he has a big heart. He has compassion. Also, he knows his stuff. Also, he's keyed up on officer safety to the max. Mm -hmm. So it's when they're seeing all of these things, you know, um, and they really want to know, man, I'll sit down and I'll chop it up with anybody for as long as I need to chop it up with them for them to understand what they need to understand. As long as it's not coming from a spirit of trying to debate me because you know, that's not a debatable issue. We're, right, right. we're human beings. We deserve love, care, happiness. And in this country, we have equal protection under the law. And that's the way it is. Yes, yes, yes. And then a, a lot of it, what I was getting at was, uh, you know, just the way some of our culture interacts um, with people, you know, how, how we uh, take things, how we say things. Maybe some people are more, more animated than others, and we just want to let our counterparts know that, no, he's not being, this person's not being defiant. This person is just, you know, some some people are more animated than others. Yeah, so uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's no need to escalate because this is an escalated <laughs> situation. So 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 I, 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 do, I do a little reading here and there. Um, uh I feel like 90% of what happens in life is sometimes if, if the person isn't have self-awareness is motivated from fear. Right. And right. so explaining that, you know, uh, our people are happy, joyous, boisterous. Uh, you know, we, we sometimes, mm -hmm. as I've been talking with my hands, probably this whole interview, I got to <laughs> right. stop. Yeah. yeah but so we talk see, with our mine, hands. mine are below the camera here. So you see, yeah, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we, we, we like to invade each other's private space. You know, we like to talk. We like to, you know, be, you know, uh, demonstrative when we talk. And, and those aren't always pre-assault indicators. And, um, and, and there, is a, there is a learning curve in our community. You know, um, there definitely is. Just like there's a learning curve for some of us who enter this profession, if you, if you, if you want to go, if you want to sure, yeah. talk about that. There's, a, there's definitely a learning curve. For that as well, because this is not a profession that's dominated by black folks, right? Right. There's a lot of black folks in it, but it's not dominated by that. So there is a, you know, some for some folks, not everyone. There's a learning curve, and there's a learning curve for our communities, and 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 really, it's the scale of your willingness. Are you willing to sit down? Are you willing to learn the community that you're policing? And I've definitely had to explain that they don't mean no harm by that. They're just yeah. getting loud, you know. <laughs> Uh, they're selling wolf tickets right now because they're yep, in front of their yep. girlfriend. Or you know, you know, this is trust me. This is this is you know, this is light. This is light work. You know, we're, we're gonna be okay. So yeah, that's yeah. definitely been the been the case uh, on, on a time or two. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I guess that could be said anywhere. 
Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Because uh, it, it's just funny that uh, that you said that. Because about uh, even us entering the law enforcement, we had to kind of learn on that scale too. You know, kind of on that learning curve too. Because you know, my kids clown me a lot uh, about the code switching that they they perceive me doing a lot. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, they 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 call me on it when you know either I'm on the phone or maybe even doing this podcast as opposed to you know when I'm speaking in a professional manner. And I, I got to tell them, yeah, you, you got to, you know, when I'm speaking to my boys or if I'm speaking to somebody from work, said, so yes, you, you do have to switch up how you talk to your boss, to your coworkers. I mean, you know, you, you just can't be like, hey, what's up, chief? You know, you, uh, no. That, yeah, I was know, getting I mean, ready to say that. Especially, exactly. Especially in a paramilitary environment. Especially, where you yes, have yes. Rank structure and, yeah, that code switching is, is, is definitely a part of the game. Like, I don't know anybody who comes in my office and you know they chief what what was good like that doesn't right. happen you know with me and, <laughs> yeah. and i'm not going to walk into those circumstances i'm not they're not going to catch me doing that so yeah. um and uh yeah so you you that's spot on man you, you got yeah, what it. what up mayor on. you know you're not going to be you know yeah <laughs> mr right, mayor right, was happening right, right. what's happening no you know, gonna, uh, that'll be yeah, they the, understand that too cuz side eye right <laughs> And they understand that too. Right, I mean, because right. you know they know in, in school settings, they you know they don't talk to the teacher like that. You bet not talk to any elders like that. You know, you being a kid, you Absolutely. know. So I mean, they they get it. They just they just clown on me. So <laughs> it, it, it's all it's all fun. That's so. good though. That's <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, um, you, you you mentioned that uh, when your time in Virginia and and all the way up to now, you making the chief police out here in, at DCAS in New York. Um, mentors along the way were there people that kind of pushed you in the right directions told you you know what you should be doing what sort of courses would help you interview what, what was that uh, process like for you coming up from rank to rank to rank Man, listen i i gotta say this mentorship is probably one of the most important things aspects to our job mentorship can really make a difference if you turn out to be a good cop or a bad cop it's really yeah. that simple it has it has less to do with with you know, promotion and that's great. Uh, you know, these are all benefits to having a great mentor and, and having a good head on your shoulders. Um, but really mentorship is it. And I've had phenomenal men mentors, um, three off the back of the hand. I'm going to mention, uh, uh, in order, uh, Wanda Younger, Lieutenant Wanda Younger, just amazing mentor. I mean, scrutiny for detail, getting the job right, treating people right, being who you say you are, being dependable and reliable, um, being, having the courage to, you know, that oath we swear, the courage to hold ourselves and others accountable. Well, she was yeah. really about that life. She was really about that life. Um, I had another mentor in the academy. <clears throat> His name was Greg Brown. He's a, he's a chief of police for, uh, 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 Leesburg, I think out in Virginia. And, uh, just when he walks in, you know, you can pull out a notepad and take notes on his leadership qualities. Cause that list is going to go on forever. And, and again, upright standing person, authoritative, but, you know, smart, super intellectual, thoughtful in his responses, responses, thoughtful in his actions. And I, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to, to pull a lot of his characteristics or try to emulate that, uh, try my best in, uh, uh, impression of that in, in my career. And then um, and uh, Greg Thomas, um, when I got to New York. And so what's interesting about that, to be honest with you. I'm sort of one of those guys who believes in doing it on their own, not because I think I got all the answers It's because I've had challenges asking for help. 
And Greg Thomas is one of those mentors who sort of broke me out of that. He, you know, he said, you know, he first to let me know, hey, you have people here, you know, that uh, is, you know, uh, that can help you, that can support you, uh, that you, you know, you can become part of the support structure if you just reach out. And so it was. A, he enabled me to sort of break out some of that. Maybe it's even shyness. I, I don't. I'm, you know, I'm not insecure. I'm not insecure uh, enough to say not say that. You know, it may be may have been some shyness. But there's a lot of things that you, I you don't have, you don't strike me as being shy, Chief. You, you, you say that, <laughs> but I'm learning this new term, and I hope I get it right. It's called ambivert. So it's an introverted extrovert. So okay. someone who's occasionally an extrovert when they in the cert, right circumstances, but in reality, they're you know, you know, they rather be in their own space. And so I, I right. think I'm probably a healthy mixture of that. I'm a healthy yeah. mixture of that. I love to party. But also, I love coming back to the house and and uh, spending time on the couch reading or watching the Warriors play. So, which which Warriors are we talking about? Basketball. Golden State. Golden oh, State. Yeah. I had them on TV here in a minute uh, a minute ago. They were playing the Clippers, so they they were getting the yeah, they get the, the, the brakes beat off yeah. of them there in a little bit. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm out here Everybody in Cali. So. Down here. Yeah, yeah, I'm out here in SoCal, so I'm a Laker dude, so you know how that go. Ah, okay, nah. okay. Yeah, have yeah, you yeah, always yeah. been a Laker guy? You have you know to what? be out of SoCal. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you got to be. You got to be, but I've been out here since I was like 13, 14. I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio, but I've been out here since I was like 14, so yeah, that's about the oh, time man. where you, you where you got to pick and choose who you're going to be yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, didn't, we didn't have a team in Columbus, so it is what it is. All we had was got, Cleveland. And I, I wasn't. I wasn't about to pick Cleveland back in the in the eighties, <laughs> in the nineties. So <laughs> I don't think anyone was going to pick Cleveland back then. Yeah, yeah. Brad Doherty, you know. Brad Doherty, and uh, who was that? The, the white dude, uh, Craig Elo, Craig Elo. Yeah, yeah, Craig Elo, <laughs> the one who uh, Jordan hit that shot over. They they always show that one when yeah, he up in hit, the air with the, with, with the, the yeah, yeah. With the fist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those were the days. Jordan's my guy. I know every we live in the LeBron era, but Jordan's my guy, man. That guy, yeah. you know, I grew up uh, consuming everything Jordan. I saw. I don't think I missed a game in high school, but yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yep. All right. All right. So uh, I appreciate you coming on. You know, I want to ask you real quick. So um, it, everyone watching the show here, uh, and if you if you listen, I'll spell it out. Uh, the Chiefs' first name is spelled. Q-U-C-H-E-E, uh, but the C is silent, so it's Q-E, uh, Collins. Uh, is is there some significance to that name, or um, how, how'd you come up with that? Or, or not you, but how'd your parents come up with that name? You know, I would love to sit here and tell you that I'm a, uh, I'm a lost prince of Wakanda, but that's actually not the case. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe Zamunda, because, uh, uh, you know, Coming to America yeah. 2 just came out. <laughs> that's, that's right, just dropped. <laughs> Um, no, when I, we had a very close, we grew up in Atlanta where my family's from Atlanta, West, uh, West end of Atlanta, rough part of Atlanta. And, um, <clears throat> they had a very close friend of the family. Uh, she was almost like a sister to my, to my aunt and my mother. And, um, she loved the movie roots. She loved the movie roots. Okay. Um, and so she sort of lobbied to name me an African name and she said she would create it. So she created the name and the spelling and the pronunciation of this name. And, you know, um, and so they sort of switched my what was going to be my first name to my middle name. Um, and and this became my name. And, um, you know, when I was a kid, I, this was 
this is the knuckle up conversation, you know, because I, you know, when your kids are tough, you know, kids are tough. So, I, you know, it was yep, a couple fights yep. I had to kind of, you know, uh, uh, go through. But as I got older and I, and I and I realized how unique it was, and, you know, obviously the spelling is different from the pronunciation. It's Q-He, Q-He mm-hmm. Collins. And, and, and so I just appreciate, I learned to appreciate it, man. And it's, it, and and I, I wouldn't see myself being any other name, you know. But it took it took some it took some adjusting to as a kid, especially yeah, no when doubt. I moved around. As I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I even I even yeah I even had that. You know, my first name Dale. I didn't want to be a Dale. Come, it wasn't. It didn't seem tough enough or street enough. You know, back in the day. You know, my middle name is Robertson. Yeah. You know, sometimes my name's Robert. You know, but you know, I embrace Dale now. I'm, I'm a Dale. So, yes, right. Indeed, and I indeed. used to go by. I had a bunch of nicknames, brother. I had Q was was one that sort of stood the test of time but you know um uh but when i when i realized uh <clears throat> just again just how very unique it was and yes. now there's not another q he walking around at least as far as i know <laughs> it's not yeah, another yeah, q yeah. he walking around yeah no doubt um, you know i i really appreciate it so thanks yeah. mom thanks dad and oh, the yeah, person right. who named me she actually passed away before i really got a chance to meet her Oh, wow. So, uh, you know, I, I don't have the inside story to what she was thinking when she created the name. But, you know, yeah. definitely, you know, definitely fits me, suits me. Yes, yes. And then at uh, at Norfolk, did you, did you, were you a Q? Can you at least say that? You no, were a Q? brother. Uh, uh, you wanted a Q? Man, you know. No, I wasn't, man. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't get that the was, opportunity. That, that seems, man. you know, I, that's I, a match made in I, heaven, man. What happened with that? Yeah. <laughs> That's that's another long story, man. I, um, um, definitely, the interest was there, but you know, school, co- college about was was mainly about football. I played football okay. at Norfolk State, um, and and then Wait, after that, I just focused. I played safety. You know, I played okay. safety. Yeah, uh, you know, um, uh, trying to get on the field as much as possible, man. And, and college was was a lot more competition in high school. High school, you was the man. You get to college, and everybody's just as fast. And, right. And everybody yep. running. But, uh, you know, it's play safety. Again, that that football and just going to that HBCU made my college year some of the best experiences I had in life, man. It really, really did. I, I can really say I became a man uh, in school um, because I rolled out of school with just an appreciation, a greater appreciation for our culture and what we go through. But also, you know, fully prepared to take on the world and show, you know, what I could do. Um, and that and I owe those. Honestly, I owe those to, to, to playing ball, playing football under that system and excuse me, and going to an HBCU. All right. All right. All right, Chief, I appreciate you coming on, man. This is this is real fun. Got a lot of good insight, a lot of good insight from you about you and your, your agency and everything that's going on out there in the NYC. So I appreciate that. But uh, you're not done yet. I got a little something for you. Right. You know how we do here. We got a little game, a question-answer session. This one here is called... Uh, All right, this is called Black Lightning. It's a, just a quick fire answer, question and answer session. I'm just going to throw a question at you. You just tell me what's going on at the top of your head, all right? All right. All right, you ready? Let's do this. So uh, you out in uh, New York now, but you were in Virginia. So you got to tell me this, Pharrell or Timbaland? They both uh, Virginia Ooh. artists. Man, Producers. I got to go with I got to go with Timbaland. Timbaland. Okay. Most people are gonna say Pharrell. I gotta go with Timbaland. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so have since you've been in New York, you've been able to use your handcuffs since you've been in New York. Once. Once. <laughs> yeah, Once I wouldn't wanna expect you to. You, you know, you a chief, so. Yeah. 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 But you have. Oh, okay. Okay. What do you yeah, miss most about? Uh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Actually, twice. It was actually twice. One was the first week. I still had. So I, w I didn't realize I was a desk jockey yet. And the other came with uh, sort of like I was on the scene. I was first on scene. So I just had to do what I had to do. Got to do what you got to do. All right. Still still know how to hook them and book them. All right. Cool. Cool. Still got it. <laughs> yeah. 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 What do you miss most about Virginia? Family. Family. Absolutely. Family, family. still there. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Family still there. Um, I get every time, every opportunity I get to see them, it's sort of like a reset for me. So yeah, family definitely. I got family here too now, but definitely family down there. Right. All right. Pivotal thing that happened in a lot of our lives was nine eleven. Do you remember where you were and what you were doing when that happened? Absolutely. I was on Norfolk State University campus. Um, at that time, my father was assigned to the Pentagon, and we couldn't get in touch with anyone. Uh, my brother was at Hampton University, which was 20 minutes away. And I had borrowed a car from one of my uh, college teammates to try to get on the road, grab my brother, scoop him up and try to drive up 95 to check in on my family. Um, and right when um, I gassed the car up to go pick up my brother, my mother was able to get through. She was able to tell me that my dad was OK. He wasn't in the area that the Pentagon got hit. Uh, he was in a different area of the building. So um, I'll never forget that day. That's yeah. probably the f that's probably the last time I had a uh, for a long time. That was the last time that I teared up. I I, I didn't used yeah. to tear up. So I I literally teared up, not knowing what was going on, calling calling around, not getting through to anyone. So yeah, I remember that. That was tough. Yeah, that was that was that was. Who's the most famous person to ever come out of Norfolk State? Hmm. You? I should know this. <laughs> no, not by a long shot. We have a lot of sleepers. Um, man, there's a fan. I, I, you're going to give me the line. I'll say my coach, Ron Bolton, uh, my position coach while I played there. He played 13 years in the league for the Browns and the Patriots. Okay. Um, he was pretty famous as, as a cornerback. Um, uh, I can still hear his voice in my ear today. <laughs> um, but but you know there's uh there's quite a few norfolk state people that quietly are creeping around you know making noise so and a lot to come right now we're we're moving we just got a nfl uh female co a female referee i saw that uh, i saw that got, yeah we got a we got a nascar uh pit crew we you know we, 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 we we're making some moves moving on up all right all right where else in the world could you see yourself doing your job you know as a police chief if you got the opportunity outside the u.s mm. man i would have to say somewhere like turks and caicos some somewhere in the island you know there you go uh, there you go yeah man that barbados yeah. if they if, if, right, yeah that, that right. might be it <laughs> the, the weather's always nice you know yes yes that's what i'm <laughs> Every, talking about everything looks great down there so yeah barbados yeah uh you in new york now so you got to pick between these two giants or jets giants giants okay you ever been on the subway absolutely okay you've been on the subway All yeah right. I, i'm not a fan of the subway though 
I was traumatized my first. I, I, I'll ride the subway. Me and my lady will ride the subway, but you know, I try to. I, I drive. I'm that down south. They can't break it out of me. I drive right. everywhere I go. Most yeah. But, yeah, they say you, know, you, yeah, you don't need a car. They say you don't need a car in New York, but you got one. You don't. <laughs> you don't need one. Um, but I've been driving since twelve. So right. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Can't, can't, can't break that old habit yeah yeah no no can't do it yeah. can't do it all right another new york question nas or jay-z oh jay-z jay-z okay definitely right. absolutely yes. uh what's a popular movie or tv show or song that everybody else loved that you, you just wasn't feeling oh uh, that nelly uh down down uh i forget the name of the song it's his biggest hit Whatever his biggest hit was. Wait, e i e i uh oh that one. Yeah, yeah. I, no, country, I couldn't was that country that. country grammar? Yeah, country grammar yeah. was not it yeah. for me. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> every time that song comes on, I'm thinking like, what's going on? You just wasn't feeling. Um, that I wouldn't one. say I dislike this show, but you know what? I've never seen the complete uh, Wire series. I've really? never seen the complete. Oh, uh, you yeah. need to get up on that. I, that, that yeah. I like Man. that one a lot. I like that one a lot. You need to get up on that. I watch right. everything. For some reason I've never seen that that show. Yeah. I, I I'll put it on the list though. Get you, get you H, HBO Max and check that one out. That, that's that's the show right there. Last one yes, for sir. you. Yes, uh, what person, living or or not, uh, would you like to meet if you had the opportunity? Hmm. What person would I like to meet, um, living or not? Man, I would love to meet um, Malcolm X. Okay. And ask and ask him about his time abroad and what changed his mind to sort of go the Pan Africanism way. Yeah. Uh, I, I would love to have a just a long conversation with him about that. Yeah, no doubt. All right. All right, Chief man, that that's that's that good stuff, man. That was your last one. You you got through that one unscathed, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was Yeah, that was that was nah, easy. Just, just just tell me tell me what you got. What you got. I appreciate you that. That was good stuff. Um uh tell everybody about your department one last time how they can reach uh you if I, you said you guys are hiring or you guys got a active hiring going on. Right now what's we're going on with that? Not not currently because of the COVID budget okay. crisis, but we're in New York City Department of Citywide Administrative Services Police. Uh, we're in New York City. We do the same sort of similar job as the Federal Protective Service and Capitol Police. Um, you know, always looking for qualified candidates, competent people who are ready to serve their community. Um, and, and that's us. That's that's them. Decast. All right. Appreciate you, Chief. Uh, you be safe out there and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks a lot, Dale. It was a blast, man. Thank you. Be safe. You too, sir. Take care now. Hi, Square Pegs. That's it for this episode of the Black and Blue Podcast. I want to thank Chief Huey Collins of the New York Department of Citywide Administrative Services Police Department, or DCASPD, for joining me here today. If you guys out there enjoyed this episode, make sure you give it a thumbs up and make sure you like and subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. I'll be back here in two weeks with another great guest, same black time, same black channel. But till then, <laughs> y'all know what to do. Stay black in blue. I'll holler at you. Peace.
This has been a Matrix Entertainment presentation.